This is Witchcraft Off the Beaten Path. I'm Molly Dyer. The date of this podcast is Wednesday, August the 5th, 2020. We are currently in the midst of what, by all accounts, qualifies as a blatant fascist movement by the U.S. government, a burgeoning uprising by those of us resisting the hell out of all that racism and fascism, and all the while, those of us who still care are trying like hell not to get sick and not to make others sick, because this pandemic is not getting better. Life in 2020 is pretty fucking exhausting, but we've just got to keep moving forward. Just keep moving forward. Thank you for continuing to move forward. As of this broadcast date, Witchcraft Off the Beaten Path has been downloaded more than 7,000 times and is being played in 23 countries worldwide and here in the U.S. in 48 states. Thanks, y'all. I'm a bit overwhelmed. And all the voice messages, emails, and comments, thank you all for taking the time out of your day to let me know my ridiculous little podcast has made some sort of a difference for you, even tiny, like Laura from California. Hey, Molly. This is Laura. I'm in uh, La Habra, California, and I just finished listening to today's podcast. Um, It was the biggest part of my day. (laughs) Um, I just wanted to tell you that um, you're just hearing you talk about gratitude and, you know, embracing what we have and acknowledging it. It it really resonated with me today. Um, I'm in school. I'm struggling a little bit. And, you know, I've just been feeling very discouraged, but um, your words were very soothing and they were reaffirming and I'm, I'm going to be doing some work today. So I just wanted to tell you that I really look forward to your podcasts. Um, I just started listening to them not long ago and I've already consumed them all. So I I can't wait until next week. Um, Thank you so much again for your wisdom and I hope you and your family are well. Thank you, Laura, and Beth Myers, Mackenzie, Chris Halls, and everybody else who has reached out with questions or comments. I see you. Keep them coming. They absolutely make my day. Today's podcast is Sigil Magic. Before I begin, if you're new to sigil making and sigil spellcasting, You might want to hit pause and then head over to one of my social media accounts for Witchcraft Off the Beaten Path. There are some companion photos I have posted to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. There should be links to all of those on the description of this podcast from wherever you're listening. If you can't find the links, the easiest thing to do would just be to head over to Witchcraft Off the Beaten Path on Facebook. You'll find the photos there as well. On to sigil magic. A sigil is defined as an inscribed or painted symbol considered to have magical powers. It's also described as a seal. The seal of Solomon was said to have been given to King Solomon directly from God in heaven in the form of a ring, direct from Jehovah's Jewelers. You might be familiar with the sigil itself. It's two triangles inverted on one another into a Star of David with dots in the negative spaces between the six points of the star. 
You know King Solomon, right? That guy from the Bible? Yeah, that guy. My point isn't to express any belief in the Bible, but just in the context that we've been using sigils for magic for a very, very long time. Even the Christian God. Sigils are probably most closely associated with chaos magic, and while I'm not really a practitioner of chaos magic myself, I am a sigil practitioner. I would say, going out on a limb, and without any data at all to back this up, But I'd say that sigils probably started being used when there was really nothing more to the idea of magic than drawing a symbol in the dirt or in the ashes of a fire with a stick. I've imagined that scenario for many years. I think I imagined it in my earliest days as a witch, when I was just a wee baby witch. There was something almost romantic about it. The image in my mind's eye of a young woman scratching in the dirt with a gnarled stick or with her finger, some symbol that would look like nonsense to anybody else. But to this young woman, it's purely magical. It's a spell to cure her loneliness and to find her true love. She didn't think about it before she created it. She just let it flow from her fingertips in a sort of stream of consciousness style of energy. Can you see that in your mind's eye? Now fast forward to many years later. It's 1999. I'm sitting in a theater watching Johnny Depp and Christina Ricci in Sleepy Hollow. And lo and behold, there sits Ichabod Crane's mother scratching spirals and sigils into the fireplace ashes for protection. Was I psychic? (laughs) Yes. But also, maybe that's the way it actually started. And I couldn't have been the only person to have envisioned that as the beginnings of the humble sigil. That's the most probable answer. Sigils are one of the simplest, easiest forms of magic you can practice. They can also be one of the most discreet forms, if you'd like. And they can be one of the most intricate and involved. It all just sort of depends on how you do it. There really doesn't need to be that much involved in the making of a sigil. There are a few necessary steps in using sigils. Writing the intent statement, the creation of the sigil itself, the charging or activating of the sigil, and then just forgetting about the sigil. Maybe you want a sigil for keeping a peaceful house. You might tack that sigil to your fridge with a magnet. Or if you didn't want anyone to see it, you could tape it behind a framed picture on a wall in the room where most of the disagreements seem to happen. If you create a sigil to keep focused at work, keep it on your desk, or on the bottom of your laptop, or inside a desk drawer. Keep a protection sigil inside your car to help keep yourself, your passengers, and your car safe. I've created sigils and slipped them inside of books to help myself retain the information I'm reading. I've taken pictures of my sigils before and kept them on my phone as my lock screen. I was reminded of them every time I opened my phone. I have a few sigils written directly into my main grimoire, and I know people with sigils tattooed on themselves for reasons like courage or protection or love. Most of my own sigils, however, are on paper. Generally, I'd say, again with no data to back this up, Most witches probably practice sigil magic in the form of a physical, tangible, probably written sigil. 
paper and pencil, or ink, or water, or wine, or blood. Blood? Well, yeah, what's more personal than blood? But for this podcast, let's just consider using some sort of writing instrument, like a quill and a bottle of ink, or a pencil and a ballpoint pen. You can do it however you want to. These are your sigils. It's your magic. But for these examples, I'll be talking about the way I create sigils. You can customize it to however you're most comfortable for your own magic. The first step, as I said a moment ago, is writing the intent statement. Let's say you want to make a sigil to obtain a better paying job. On a piece of paper, write your intention statement by printing single letters, and printed are much easier to use than cursive for sigils. So for example, you might write out in all printed letters, I will find a job that pays me enough to meet all of my needs. Read that aloud, concentrating on what the words really mean. If there's a word in there that doesn't quite feel right, change it. Just make sure the intent is there. Then read it aloud several times. Again, really concentrate on those words and what they mean to your intention. You're creating energy and beginning to charge it by just stating your intent. Now, cross out all of the vowels in your intention statement. You'll be left with a not very easily pronounceable phrase, but it's no longer just a phrase. It's becoming a spell. It's becoming a sigil. Next, cross out every letter that is repeated. It will no longer resemble anything close to what you originally had written down. But that's all right. If you can't even remember what your phrase was, that's also all right. That's what's supposed to happen. Forgetting it is one of the steps involved in sigil making. You've already imbued it with your intent and energy by speaking the phrase. So you'll be left with a jumble of letters. For this example, those letters would be W-L-F-N-D-J-B-T-H-P-Y-S-M-G. Now, there are several directions you can go in the creation of your sigil at this point. One of my favorite methods, a method that has always worked for me, is this. I usually start with a circle because I'm a witch and I tend to use circles a lot but you can use any shape you want. I do recommend making some sort of border around your sigil, regardless of whether it's a circle of square, rhombus, with decagon, it doesn't matter. But I definitely make sure it's a closed shape without gaps or spaces between the strokes. I like to keep my sigils and my magic inside the circle if you get my meaning. I don't even really know what my meaning is. It just feels more secure to me. So for this example, I'm using a circle. I've drawn my circle. If you're following along with the companion pictures, these next parts will correspond with images one through nine. On that same piece of paper, I've got my jumbled list of sigil letters written out for quick reference. At this point, I have completely forgotten what the hell my phrase was. And again, this is normal and completely okay. Starting on one end, either left or right, it doesn't matter, Write one of the letters from your jumble inside of the circle, then cross it off your list of sigil letters so you don't accidentally repeat it. Now, take the letter from the other end and write it, somehow connecting it to the first letter you made. You can write these letters forwards, backwards, at a 45 degree turn, upside down, 
with serifs or descenders, floral spirals. You can write them in Theban or Arabic or Elvish, for that matter. Literally, whatever you want. Just connect them somehow. You're going to make one big sort of fluid thing. Think of the letters in this example. Let's say I started with the letter on the left, which is W. Let's say I wrote out a plain W, plain and simple, just four straight lines. The old down, up, down, up. My next letter, the one at the other end of my list of sigil letters, in this example, is G. I already have four straight lines. Okay, so you know how that straight line that distinguishes a capital G from the letter C? I will probably try and incorporate part of one of the straight lines from the W to make a capital G. Is that as clear as mud? Because I have a knack for making simple things sound really complicated. Overthinking things is one of my many superpowers. But don't worry, you can find it on the companion photos if you are playing along that way. And it should be photo number three. It's most likely much easier than I am actually making it sound. Once you've got those first two letters down, just keep working your way inward with the letters from the outside on one end, then to the other end until you've got all the letters in your circle and you're crossing off the very last one somewhere in the middle. That's your sigil. Now the companion pictures for this next method are images 10 and 11. This similar method of using letters is to write out your list of sigil letters and then break up those letters into individual strokes. You know, the W, that's going to be four individual strokes. Then arrange those strokes into something that speaks to you. Make them into an image or just into something that feels right to you. It's a little more involved than the first method, but honestly, sometimes you don't want to go the quickest, easiest route. You want the route that allows you to put the most energy into your sigil. The companion image for this last example is picture 12. There are a bunch of other methods of sigil making involving charts, planetary graphs, astrological charts, numbers. But this last example method for this podcast is just to write out your intention phrase, which for this case was, again, I will find a job that pays me enough to meet all of my needs. But instead of whittling that down by removing the vowels and then any repeated letters, just use a sort of automatic drawing. I like to draw a stroke with every word of my intention phrase as I'm saying it out loud. For longer words, I usually end up making something a bit more curvy or a longer stroke, and sometimes with loops and spirals. And there's nothing to say that I have to stop drawing after speaking my intention phrase just once. As long as I feel that energy moving, I can keep up that automatic drawing until I have something I'm happy with. When my spirit says, all right, that's good, that's what you need. Nobody would ever understand what the hell its meaning is, like all my other sigils, but that's perfectly fine. They're not meant to. The next step in the sigil making process is to charge or activate your sigil. There are times when you'll want to keep your sigil. For those instances, you'll want to charge it by either lighting a candle and passing it through that candle's flame carefully and without setting it on fire and just sort of scorching the back of it. You don't have to leave a mark on it if you don't want to or if you're uncomfortable. Be careful not to burn it if you want to keep it. The other method of charging a sigil that you want to hang on to is to meditate on it while visualizing your intention. 
Even if you've forgotten your intention statement, which is normal, you probably still remember why you made the sigil in the first place. You want a job that pays enough to meet all your needs. Meditate on that sigil in your hands and shove all that intent into the sigil. Caress it with your hands if you're holding it. Trace over all the lines with a finger. Hold it between your two palms and let your personal energy surge into it as you're meditating to charge it. These methods of charging are, as I mentioned a little while ago, for the sigils you want to keep. They're generally referred to as passive sigils. They're sort of uh, time-released. If you remember the examples I gave earlier about making a sigil to keep a peaceful home, or a sigil to keep in your desk to keep calm and focused at work, that's a passive sigil. Likewise, you can create a sigil for a little one to help keep nightmares away. You can put that sigil somewhere on their crib, underneath where no one will see it, or somewhere that you can see it every time you put your little one down to sleep. The other types of sigils are called activated sigils. These are for sigils you don't necessarily need to keep. Let's say that you want to banish a habit, like smoking or biting your nails, or you want to banish a spirit from your home that's keeping you up at night. Maybe you're trying to manifest some emergency money or trying to help a friend get out of a dangerous situation and you've done everything mundane that you're able to do for her. You'll make this sigil the same way you made the one to find a better job, but you're going to destroy it. Destruction of your sigil is instant activation. I know it sounds a bit contradictory, but that's the way to activate it in an instant. You can hold it over the candle flame and instead of just scorching it, Burn it to ash, safely. Cast those ashes to the winds, or keep them in a box. You can write your sigil on tissue paper and dissolve it in water, or wine, or urine, or any other sort of liquid you want to use. Just make sure it's dissolved completely. If you have to lend a hand and sort of move it around in the liquid to help it along, that's fine. Nothing says you can't help out. It's your magic. Fire is probably the most popular way to activate a sigil, but you can also write it in the fog on your bathroom mirror. Write it in chalk on your back porch before a rainstorm. If it's something about yourself, write it on your body in paint or washable markers, or taking a cue from Shiva Honey, write it in lipstick. Then get in the shower and ritually wash it off. Write it in the dirt on your car window before you wash your car. If you're a Reiki practitioner, level two or higher, you'll know that Reiki symbols are sigils and that you write Reiki symbols for energy, like the Shokurei, and sometimes you trace those symbols on your palms before you give Reiki energy to yourself or someone else. These are all successful methods of activating your sigils. The final step in sigil creating is just to forget about it. This step can be a bit confusing, especially for those passive sigils. Maybe the one hung on the fridge in full view of you or anyone else in your kitchen. Or the one tattooed on your forearm for courage or bravery. All you have to forget about is your intention statement. It's fine to remember your intention. Just don't dwell on the actual statement you made for your intention. It's a very set-it-and-forget-it form of magic. And it's a lot easier to forget when you've made more than one. I promise.
Let me know how your sigils turn out, or if you have some cool way of activating or charging your own sigils. I'd love to hear how you do it. And I hope that you learn how to use sigils to your advantage to improve your life. And if you ever get the chance, trace your sigil in the ashes from a fire with a gnarled old stick. There's a brand new podcast every Wednesday, and as always, if you have questions or comments about this or any other episode of this podcast, or if there's a topic you'd like to hear about on a future episode, just hit the message button on the Anchor app or on the Anchor webpage from your web browser. You might hear yourself on an upcoming podcast. Follow me on Twitter also, kiddos. Find me by the name Molly Dyer and the weird-ass Twitter-generated handle at symbol MollyDY. Six eight nine six four five zero oh, two. Super easy to commit to memory. Stay at home. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. I hope you never hunger, and I hope you never thirst. As above, so below. Thanks for listening. If you liked it, tell a friend and let me know. I'm Molly Dyer. This is Witchcraft Off the Beaten Path. <laughs>